March 8, 2022. It's the Watch for Pedro show. Well, I'd go by his house, you know, to, by his apartment. And I'd get him out of bed, maybe, or something. <laughs> and then he'd wake up and roll the piano and, and start playing, you know. Play anything, might be just one of his tunes. You know, he starts playing it, and uh, he'd look at me, I guess. And so when he looked at me, I'd get my arm you know, and start trying to find what he was playing. And continue to play over and over and over and over, and I'd get this part, and then next time we go over it, I'd get another part. and. He would stop and show me some parts that were pretty difficult. And if I had a lot of trouble, well, he'd get his portfolio out, you know, and I'd show him the music. He's got music. He's got all of them written. Mm -hmm. And I'd read it and learn it. He would rather a guy learn without reading, you know, because that way you, you feel it better. You feel it quicker when you memorize it, when you learn it by heart, by it, you know. And so I'd, he'd, uh, when I almost have the tune down, then he would leave, leave me with it. You know, he'd leave me to practice it alone. And he'd go out somewhere, maybe he'd go to the store, go back to bed or something. Mm -hmm. And I'd just sit there and run over so I had it pretty well. And then I'd call him and we'd play it down together. And sometimes we'd just get one tune a day.
Happy Tuesday, people. Three strikes, you're out. What? It's days one. Well yeah, yeah, right, right. Look, we start off. I was blasting Coltrane about playing with Thelonious Monk in 1958. And then melt yourself down with it is what it is. And because of those Estonian software engineers with their scabbing bench, I got with me all the way from London, England, Ruth Kohler. Welcome aboard, Ruth. Hi, Mike. So yeah. nice to meet you. Fuck, so good we're to underway, you. people. In 20 years and eight months of doing the show, and I'm still fucking blowing clams. We got to give a uh, big credit, Tello, stay, Palia, for the connect. Grazie. Grazie. Yes. Mia. Okay. So I'm re really interested. I mean, you work in the bass the way you do and all that. Uh, your journey through music. So please bring your earliest musical recollection, if you can, Ruth. Yes. So I grew up in a tiny little place in northern Italy in the Alps, so like Heidi, basically, and... <laughs> as you can as you can imagine, there was only sheep and cows and not much not much else. No, that's, that's funny because when we tour in Switzerland and we're on them little roads, we call them Heidi roads. Really? Well, exactly. You must have seen me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in right, the old days of when they first were coming out with those Navigatora uh, GPS, they would fuck mm -hmm. Tom Tom and they fuck up, especially with the tunnels all up there. And so you get lost on a Heidi road, right? Oh my goodness! Well, it's a good place to get lost in, isn't, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, very beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, I basically started. My parents were very supportive. Oh, you say Northern they, Italy because my mama's mama's people were from the Dolomiti. Yeah, that's where I'm from, the okay. Dolomites. Oh, man, we might be related. Uh, right, <laughs> right. Uh, that's where your mom's from. No way. Yeah, well, her ma. Because her where daddy was, his people were from Sicily, both ends. You know. Oh, right, okay. It's the way they do it in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> so you're very, very, you're probably more Italian than I am then. <laughs> Who knows? It doesn't matter. Sly Stone said, it's not where you're from, it's where you're at. <laughs> oh, man. So your earliest okay. memory, uh, musical yeah, recollection. So so I'm up in the in the field, um, but my parents were very supportive. They always pushed me to play music and, you know, and wanted me to play an instrument. So I started off on the violin, but um, it was sort of like music school kind of vibe, you know, like half an hour a week and just reading some stuff. And so you're saying your earliest memory? I hating it. <laughs> you mean you're saying your earliest memory is your parents asking you to play violin? Yeah, well, they asked me to choose an instrument, and I remember seeing this prodigy this Chinese prodigy child on TV playing the violin. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I can do that. <laughs> Obviously, I couldn't. <laughs> I was really, really, really rubbish at it. But couldn't was there music in the pad before that? Were you listening to music? Did did either your parents play? Were there any musical instruments? Yeah, yeah. So my dad my dad was a singer. I oh. mean, a court, he, sing, he sang in a lot of church choirs. He sang the bass in church choirs. Okay. So he he was very musical, and he come he came from a from a very musical family. Like they always sing at home and sing sort of traditional Alpine tunes. I've got lots of memories of my grandma singing all these tunes, like quite sad, sad funeral songs, but really beautiful, you know, really beautiful songs. So I've always got that. I think that's sort of my first musical memory, really getting into getting into music and being amazed by by all that. You're, you're um, talking dirges. Huh? Dirge? What's that? I, I think Chopin uh, wrote the famous one, right? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? I think they first played it at his. But but anyway, go, uh, so 
they have you t now this is outside of school this is like a private teacher uh, learning you violin yeah we didn't really have music at school at the time it was sort of something you had to do outside of school so you had to like inscribe in a local music school and then you got a teacher for like half an hour a week and you basically went there and she was pretty cruel actually she used to slap me with the bow on my fingers because hey. i couldn't tune very well yeah she was quite angry <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't so, dissuade you it didn't dissuade you from music but did it dissuade you from violin <laughs> From violin, definitely, yeah, but not from music. I mean, I sort of stuck with it for quite a while because, you know, at that age, I sort of felt guilty about stopping something. And my parents were like, mm, you started now. We bought this violin, rah, rah, rah. So you made I the commitment to like, stay with it. Yeah, so I felt like a little bit, you know, they sort of guilt tripped me into it a little bit. And I stayed with it for seven years, but it, very reluctantly. Um and then I just started hating it more and more. And, and we had a piano at home. My dad bought a piano and I just really enjoyed playing the piano. And I, I started writing stuff on the piano as well. Oh, like okay. Outside. Are you self-taught on the piano? Well, yeah, at the beginning I was. I was sort of composing little tunes. And I still, from now, I've still got those little tunes. So, you know, I didn't know anything about harmony or, or anything and just sort of wrote these little pieces. And they actually, you know, looking back at it, it's quite cute looking at those things and just looking at yourself in a in a different way when you sort of thought about music in a different way when you had no knowledge about anything and just sort of went with what your ears it's tripping out all do. the paths you take lead to today and so i think it's yeah. good to look back like what can i ask you the first record you bought with your own money the first record was michael jackson i think Which I, one? yeah i was about um thriller no it was bad off the wall Oh, it's I'm it bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad, yeah. yeah that yeah, was sort of my yeah. age. I think I was like eight or nine at the time. And what so. was the first gig you saw? Oh my gosh, the first gig was. I was probably a teenager when I got into playing music and I started going to gigs, you know, and we started doing gigs as well locally. So I think it was just some local rock and local punk bands that. Oh, okay. That I that I saw. That's okay. You can't remember the name of the band though. No, I was probably playing at the first gig that I ever saw. Wow, that's bitchy. <laughs> first gig I saw was T-Rex. I definitely was not playing. Uh. <laughs> Me and D-Boom went, no. But they were so tiny, right? Arena Rock is bullshit. It wasn't club. So, uh, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so you're doing this music by yourself, you know, with teachers yeah. and stuff. And when do you start um, uh, playing with other people, like after school in the afternoon, right? Yeah, Basement that's band, right. Yeah. Bedroom band, garage band. Yeah, that's it. When I was a teenager, I formed my own band because I sort of had this group of people. They had a they had a little rehearsal studio that was kind of funded by the local youth center and things like this, you know. And I just sort of hung out with them. And then I was like, right, I'm gonna form my own band. And I got into punk music and just sort of started writing music. And again, I didn't know anything about music and started playing guitar, you know. So this and, band, this band that you formed. Do you have a name? Yeah, we were called Stuff and Nonsense. Okay, Stuff and Nonsense. You were the guitar <laughs> yeah. player and the composer? Yeah, so I was sort of the main person. I think I was the sort of motor, and that's what kind of the engine. But you weren't doing violin, it. you weren't doing piano, you were doing guitar. And you self-taught yourself? Self-taught on okay. guitar, yeah. I didn't know anything about anything. So we had two guitars, bass and drums, and I was sort of shouting as well. I was kind of, yeah. The fronting it as well it was, it was great fun you know at the time it was just amazing we did like local gigs around the area and 
Did you relate? Did you relate piano and violin to the guitar, or was it a whole nother thing? Not at all. It just felt like a completely different art form to me because what I learned before was like reading sort of simple pieces of Mozart, and you know, it was a completely different attitude, and also just getting into like rock and punk rock and stuff. So and rhythm with the drummer, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I saw. I didn't know any. I didn't really know like how instruments were supposed to work together you know Uh i didn't know the roles of a bass so i didn't know the role the sort of standard um things of that and so at at some point then later on in that in that in that period i started playing bass as well and we had two basses because i just really loved playing the bass for some reason so you let um, go of the guitar i let go of the guitar yeah and this band had Ended up be having two basses. All right. Yeah, yeah. We had two basses, and I, pl- I started playing like on a. It had sort of two bass lines, and one was sort of more melodic, and the other one was maybe more like traditional, sort of lower down, you know, bass were, line. Uh, were you aware of Delta Five? Uh, aware of what? There was a Leeds band called Delta Five with all ladies, and they had two basses. All right. No, I don't know them. It was the old know. days of like Nikon's, like uh, late seventies. All right. Okay. Yeah, oh, I've yeah. got to check it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I even was in a two-bass band, but that's all. It was just two basses. It was called Dose. 35 years. Oh, ago. really? Would yeah, you, the lady from Black that? Flag. Yeah, you can. Did you like it? Yeah. Well, you know, music is music. See, w- yeah. maybe you are free in a little bit because learning what the roles are supposed to be, you end up in, like, kind of constricted situations. You know, sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. It's so true. You know, and now I know that because now I've sort of come, come out on the other end again. I'm sort of trying to get back to what I had then, you know, sort of trying to find all ways around it, not to do stuff that I know or not to do stuff that my ears know really well. And, you know, I'm sort of trying to get out of that and work with different things to try and try and try and get to that place again to to write music. Because listening back to that kind of stuff is it's really interesting. You know, it's yeah. like I would never be able to write something like that now because you're a different person. You, yeah. Yeah, and you just know too much about it, and you like just all right. You you can't, like, they say, like they say, like they say in the courtroom, you can't unring the bell. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you <laughs> gave me this music from Acoustic Ladyland called "Not So." Let's play it. Okay, cool. <laughs>
Wyatt in a wake in a time and a place. A taste of the wind that's hitting your face. You feel all the vibrations of all the earthquakes. As the ticker starts whispering, cut to the chase, cut to the chase, cut to the chase.
Bye.
show start off that chunk of music with not so from acoustic ladyland then we have brand new from mini beasts this is peter uh from uh mission of burma his new band where he left drums to play guitar uh, stimulants and then elena cell after that brand new it's probably cella huh yeah clog and then bad friends from sam lock featuring ed gray atmosphere brand new 0229p that's a title Bombas Prendon, Inside the Envelope, Noisuka, brand new corners. A couple things from Canada. Karim with another 30 shot. Sh- oh, that's a fire hose. And I, I got that music for that tune from a dose song. So the two bass thing comes in. Schooner, after that, live, the original Serpent, and brand new from Cremation Lily, Dreams Drenched, Static, and finally, part two of Ruth Kohler's Skillia. Did I pronounce that right? Skillia. Skillia. Okay. See. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's really important, she wanted to know. Okay. Back to your story, your your music journey. So you got this band. Now you're off guitar. Not now it's a two bass band. You're still in school. Uh, school at this time. Yeah, yeah. We're still at school. Yeah, yeah. So what happens when you leave school? Do you go to higher education for your musical thing? Yeah. Well, at that point, I knew I wanted to be a performer. You know. I was like, right, that's what, because, you know, you, everyone at that point, so when you're 18, 19, finishing school, you have to choose what you're going to study. Lots of people went to uni and studied stuff, and I was like, I want to be a performing musician, you know, that's that's what I really enjoyed. And my parents were super supportive, and they were just, like, letting me do whatever, so I really have to thank t- uh, to them a lot, you know. Yeah, much respect. Just letting me do whatever, because a lot of people, they, they weren't so lucky, and their parents were like, mm. Maybe you should not become a... <laughs> well, my pop, you know how long you're going to be pissing in the wind, boy. Exactly. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, great, go for it, you know. So it kind of, 
obviously I was stuck in this tiny little place in the middle of the Alps. So I knew I wanted to know about harmony and I wanted to know more about music. I really had that desire. So I just, um, I was like, right, I'm going to have to go to a bigger city to learn about this stuff, you know, and find a school. And and I sort of knew a friend of a friend who was, in, it was obviously didn't have internet or anything like that. But this per- I knew this person who was in London and studied music there at this specific music school. And I just rang them up and said, you know, what do I have to do to get into this school? And they just said, well, there is a, um, there is like an, uh, an, adi- um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like, um, you know, you have to send something in that where you can, something that you've written or something that they can hear you play. And then they, and then they can admit to you or they, or they want something to evaluate. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh, shit, because I didn't know anything, you know, I literally didn't know anything about music. And I just sent those tunes that I'd written with my band and a little bit of playing and I just sent this tape over to them. And they were like, yeah, come, you're, you're, you're admitted. And, and I just put all my stuff in my car and I just drove over to the UK, slept in a car for a few weeks until I found a place somewhere. And then I started the school and it was like a, a sort of introduction course. You know, it was really good for me because I was a real beginner. Like I didn't know anything. And I just started getting into the school. It was like from nine in the morning to seven in the evening. I had an amazing bass teacher, this guy called Nico Gomez. He's like a sort of jazz. He was really into jazz and Latin and super inspiring, you know, and he just totally like... So not just a performer, feet. you decided you wanted to be a bass player. I wanted to be a bass player, yeah. It was really clear, like immediate. Once once I started playing bass in that punk band that I had, I was like, right, that's that's the instrument I want to play. There was no question. I always liked the lower frequency. I always hated that. I think it's the violin actually that really put me off. Like anything high, you know, it's never. It doesn't really go with my ears. It doesn't. A lot of sort of higher instruments. I find so it. So symbols must drive you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> D Boone's guitar tone. Oh man, that would have done a number. I. He loved trouble. But, uh, like high clarinet or something, you know. Yeah, sure, something. sure. A high clarinet. Or fife. High... Oh, my How about goodness. fife? No. <laughs> you know, there's a town There's a town in Washington State called Fife, and I always think of that instrument, that <laughs> pentatonic. Like, oh, my God. Uh, so, no. so, so this teacher was uh, very supportive and very, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, instrumental in your instrument. Yeah. And I just, I was, I just was so, I was like a sponge, you know, I just wanted to learn. I was so going to say that about it. school, because some people say it's a bummer, and shit, but you get into it, what you put, you get out of it, what you put into it, right? Yeah, exactly. And I was like, you know, I was like this kid from, I didn't know anything. And I just moved to this massive city and slept in my van. And, you know, it's like, what well, is this amazing? <laughs> What about on the side? What about on the side? Did you get into any bands on the side? Well, in, at school. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was lots of bands. That we or had or outside of school, you know. And probably you were yeah. spending so much time at school, it was your whole life. Outside, yeah. No, outside was kind of difficult at that point, exactly, because you said, say, you know, I was just there, like, from 9 in the morning to 7 in the evening, just playing with those people. And, and also my playing wasn't really good enough to do anything at that point you know thinking back at it now I was really like learning how to read and learning about harmony and learning how to, you know even just to play simple things and feeling things in 4-4 you know I was really you know like I, I'm interested in that I'm interested in that in a way because it seems like they, they bring the bass guitar or the bass let's say in, into this world of harmony and chords mm-hmm. and they never mm-hmm. don't they don't really ask that of drummers 
yeah, because the notes true. last so so I'm thinking because where my journey's taken me is it really a four string guitar or is it a four string drum set yeah. and I wonder if that harmony because I listen to your music it seems you really get in the drum side of playing bass it's not like pretending it's a piano yeah, yeah. What do you mean exactly by that? All this attention to the chords and the harmonies, a lot of that stuff gets lost in the lower frequencies. Yeah, yeah, Seems, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you're do down there wrestling with, the, you're wrestling with the kick, you're like a kick drum. <laughs> and so you know, let's say you have 20 kick drums and you're 20 timpanis. I mean, what kind of harmonies are you going to? I think the way you rhythmically, anyway. I'm just, it's, it's part of my evolution and stuff, but mm -hmm. any kind of knowledge <laughs> musically to me is valuable. None yeah, of it's wasted. Yeah. It's invested in the next time you play, every time you play. Yeah. So, Absolutely. but I wonder if so much attention to harmony with b bass instruments because we're so much like drummers in certain ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We really have to have both in it. Like, it's a real sort of. Well, I notice you don't go to five, six, seven, eight, nine, twelve string. You stay with the four. Yeah. I've never, I tried to have a five string. At some point, I thought that's what I've, you know, like, learning everyone had a five-string bass and I was like, fuck, maybe that's, I have to do that. And I felt like I had to do it, and, but I just didn't like it at all. It just didn't suit me. I never used it and I just got really confused. I'm sort of quite simple in that way, you know, I like... I'm with you. Simple setups, a knob, volume, I'm with you. and, and did you, Besides your teacher being a big influence, was there other bass players? Yeah, there was other bass players as well. And, we, you know, we all, they're all great. We all shared lots of experiences and they were all a lot can, better. Can you than, name some for me? I'm just curious. You know, I can't even remember. I don't okay, think most of them can I uh, anymore. Can I, I uh, bring up one that I like? Yeah. A big influence on me and maybe with James Jamerson. Oh, my God, yeah. I totally got into James Jamerson at that school. In fact, my teacher, he got me to buy the, the James Jamerson book. and You mean just, the, the one for Dr. Licks? And, uh, just the one with the whole bass lines, you know. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. He, yeah, he, yeah. That, that was not his real name. I think his name was Lubinsky or something like this. But he, he made this book. It was kind of a... Dedication to him, and uh, yeah, I think all of us on electric bass owe that man everything. Absolutely, I learned so much from listening to him, and and you know, read that's how I learned how to read as well with that book, in fact, because wow. I was so into the music, so it was kind of easy for me to because I knew the music so. Right, all the Motown, right? He's on two hundred yeah. top ten hits. He's one of the most, uh, but his name's only on one record cover, but he's on that's all mad. kinds of records. Yeah, it's crazy. That's madness, isn't it? Yeah. Justice, right? Mm. Just us. <laughs> Not the right guy you, or the right girl. Did you check that book out as well? Oh, absolutely. I got it. Uh, we're yeah. at the end of the... I got, got to stop us here because we're at the end of the first hour, March 8th, 2022. Lock Peter's so special guest, Ruth Goller. Hold tight for hour two. March 8th, 2022. It's the second hour. Lock for Pedro's show. <laughs> And bridges and cities and 
circular spirals we both draw.
Mark from Pedro Show. Start off the second hour. Bud Prentice with Angular Spirals. Then Ben Salter from Tasmania. Fancy. Lisa Cameron. Damon Smith. Alex Cunningham with The Endless Instant from Poland. Artie Cooley. Rona. Probably destroyed that. Sorry. My apologies. Uh, Dobri Brozo. I know Dobro's good in Slap. Croatian people here. Rails. Reynolds. Out of uh, Montreal. Akutan Slajo Fole. Sorry, terrible French. And I don't mean to destroy that language. And then Vula Ville. <laughs> Interesting band name. With fire. And uh, so, so how long are you at that school? That was just a year. It was sort of a one-year introduction course. And then what did you do after that? After that, I was a bit lost, and I sort of didn't know really what to do. I had no money, so I moved back to Italy uh, for a year, and I just worked. I just practiced for a year and worked in the bar and just saved lots of money because I knew then I wanted to go because I got into jazz and improvised, improvised music during that time at that school as well. So I wanted to go back and study and study jazz. So I applied to go to um, Middlesex University. And um, again, I sort of sent a tape and I was, you know, nowhere near good enough to be a dark horse. But somehow they they took me and um, and I moved back to London then after that year. And then I was for three years um, at that university studying jazz. OK. And uh, did you have a, a professor like the other one or a community? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was great because, again, you know, I didn't really in that first year when I was here, I didn't sort of branch out a lot and didn't sort of um, check out the London scene. I didn't really have that those kind of connections at the time. But then once I was at uni, I was I started playing gigs like immediately and we just had loads of little jazz gigs around playing almost every night and formed loads of different bands. And then I was kind of working, you know, I was like doing doing a lot of learning a lot of practicing over those three years and I had to catch up a lot as well because I didn't really you know I didn't know about jazz until I moved to London so a lot of the people that were there they sort of grew up coming from like a specialist music school and being trained like you know in harmony and theory and everything and I didn't I sort of I didn't really have that at all so I only discovered like Coltrane like when I was 20 you know and so okay, for me speaking was, of that uh, you know, his favorite bass players, right, from Philadelphia, Paul Chambers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Jimmy Garrison. Uh, definitely, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, all so, that but, all that stuff, so it was really well, mind-blowing. What I'm wondering is, because I've seen the pictures, you're playing Stang and stuff, but were you, did you have a stand-up? No, I was always more of an electric player. I mean, during that time, I sort of started playing double bass as well, but I never... I never really saw myself as a double bass player, you know. It was always a bit of a battle for me because I was practicing a lot on, on electric and a lot of the music I was into was on electric as well because I got really into Brazilian music then at the time. Baixo. Um, they call the bass a baixo, right? Yeah, Man, exactly. And, and what a voice <laughs> they give to it. It's so much. All that Latin stuff, they really get, get the bass getting melodic. There I could yeah. see the harmony kind of thing really big time. Uh, yeah, definitely, it's still like definitely. a drum. It's still like a drum, but it's a singing drum. Yeah, it's really interesting. Oh, definitely, those guys, especially like north, the north of Brazil, and all that kind of music. You know, like Itiberetsuak. You know that he's bass player. Absolutely, I fucking love his playing. So so great. 
so yeah for me it was really the electric bass although yeah I did I did practice double bass and I, pl- I played some jazz on double bass but I don't think I was very good at it you know ever so I kind of that was again another thing I sort of felt like I had to do because I was at a jazz course and I should be playing upright it's much later I sort of realized mm, maybe that's not my voice you know maybe I don't have to do that and I, I can actually allow my own stuff to come into this kind of music and mix it up with what, what I here, need here's to. the here's the uh I don't know what you call it paradox of jazz Thelonious Monk would have never won the Thelonious Monk contest yeah because they want innovation <laughs> but not really yeah. it's like in the old punk scene they're yelling anarchy but not really <laughs> you know, we don't really mean it you know it's just look look you gave me this uh grande gufo <laughs> And SoCal, living here in the harbor of Los Angeles, big dog in L.A. Let's listen. Don't want to know what it's like in L.A. We got our world spinning around our way. We heard it square full of false pretense. We got our own spinnings.
Repeat after me.
Show that chunk of music star off with Grande Gufo. Big dog in LA. Big dog. <laughs> when you call somebody a big dog here, it's 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 it's, it's a nice thing. They can call each other dogs sometimes. I don't know why. Okay, hey dog. You know, it's like okay, Emily Robb after that with um How to Moonwalk. This is brand new. A live friendship speedwell. I think Bill Nace produced it. Um uh, Al Margolis with Vib. Corningham, Skyline Sunset Number Four, Fire Tools with Decrepit F. Phoenix, Ray Shin with Gift Horse, and then finally, Ruth Goler's Skillia again. Often they came to visit, even just to see how she was. Wow, that's a great title because it makes you think about what the fuck it's about. <laughs> And tell me about some of these projects, right? Uh, uh, Grande Gufo, uh, Bug Prentice, uh, uh, Vula Vet Veal, yeah, yeah. Skillia, uh, well, and Lightness. Oh, uh, thanks, man. That's Can you sweet. tell us a little something about them? Because I, I, I know nothing. All I know is the sounds, and I love it. Yeah, well, these are all kind of bands that I got. Well, Skillia is my own band, so that's sort of my own. That's kind of started as a solo project. And this, that's all my music that I'm right that that I've written with a sort of detuned. Every tune is detuned in a different in a different harmonic series, so I get different, obviously different um, harmonic bases with it, you know. Um, and that I've just that's something that I'm touring right now. I've just put the album out in July, so I'm. Um, I'm I'm on the road with that. Um, but the other bands are just kind of all bands that I've started, you know, started getting into when I was living in London and playing with different people and you know, kind of developing my sound. And I think most the, most of the things that I've chosen is sort of stuff that I felt like they really wanted me as a bass player, you know, because of do you know do you know do you know what I mean? Like yeah, you ain't the shot caller. They asked you to come help. Yeah, they what they just want to add your thing to it. So, right, and because they, you got a certain kind of voice to my heart, you know, all those bands are sort of really close to my heart because of that. Where you're not just sort of fulfilling a bass role, but you're actually right. bringing taking what the you job are, of the dead guy. Know. I've done yeah. some of that. <laughs> but hey, sometimes it's beautiful music. But yeah, you're taking the job of the dead dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they picked you with you in mind because you got a certain kind of sound and a way of working it. Yeah, 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 I understand. Yeah. But, but yeah. on the other side, it's you being the shot caller with the skill you. Yeah, that's so, right. So, so how, long, getting... how long were you at that uni? For three years. And then what did you do? And after that, I just I just started working, you know, as a bass player. I was just playing with lots of bands and I was just, yeah, I was just playing and touring and that's where I still I am. At now, same right. same kind of thing, and I just kind of got stuck in London because you, you know, you sort of start playing with people that are around, and you know, it just, just didn't make sense for me to move anywhere else because that's where my crowd was and my friends and you know, my bands and everything. So I'm still, I'm still. I, some sometimes I think, oh, maybe I should move somewhere else, but then I'm like, no, actually, you know, why start again somewhere else if you look if you sort of 
worked on something quite hard and you know i'm not sure if i'd, if I'd have the energy to do that right now instead um, of like energy and like reinventing the living place again yeah I understand. yeah I just totally sort of understand. going out meeting people and you know all these kind of faff really so it's kind of like i'm 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 good where i am and i know a lot of people and i've got a lot of work here as well so it's it's kind of it works for me you, although you, london I, in many ways is not a great place at the moment well it costs a lot of money kind of right bullets, so cost a lot of money yeah it's not you know it's not not an easy place for musicians because gigs are not paid very well like you know in london it's really difficult to get a, a well-paid gig so you kind of need to travel a lot but on the other side there's a lot of great people that live here and and they do stuff and do really interesting i think we got the same stuff. thing going with uh, new york city it's a magnet really that attracts a lot of people but it's kind of tough to live there because the money's in the situation um, yeah right was was exactly. your skill you was that your first yeah. band that you were shot collar since that two bass band when you were a kid well you know it's kind of writing this music is was so like um spontaneous for me i didn't really plan to have my own band i was always sort of playing bass for other people and i never felt the need to be a band leader and then I was invited invited to do like a, a sort of monthly mixtape and, and this guy asked me to write a tune every month. And I, I remember the deadline was on, on that one day and I just got back from a flight somewhere and I took my bass out of my bass case and all the strings were detuned because it was up up in the in the overhead locker. And I just started like <laughs> fucking about with harmonics and I just put a mic, I didn't even plug it in or anything, I just put a mic in front of the electric bass and 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 recorded an improvisation and then I just layered some vocals on top of it and then I had that first track and I was like oh it actually sounds really good you know this my voice like sort of female voice with with the harmonics it kind of complements each other in an interesting way and sounds different to what you know what I've heard before and and then the guy heard it and he was like oh it's really great you know why don't you do something similar every month and I was like okay I'll do that and I just did every month then I worked on different tunings and I got kind of sort of obviously got a bit more into. Yeah, that's, you know, there's a Greek word tuning. for that. Uh, Eureka. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look, we're and, at the end of the second things... hour, March 8, 2022. Dishwap Peterson, special <laughs> guest, Ruth Kohler. Hold time out of three. March 8, 2022. It's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
father was against me, should he not return from sea? And they say you have no mother, would you then say no to me? No sir, no sir, no sir, no sir. No sir, no sir, no sir, no sir, no. Yes, I know I have no mother. Should father not return from sea, then you see I have a brother who would take good care of me. No sir.
ta famille J'ai perdu mon pays et ma maison J'ai perdu mes amis J'ai même perdu mon nom Je suis une pauvre fille Loin de sa famille
Watch for Pedro Show. Start off the third hour with Spanish Merchant's daughter from Sam Amadon. Probably you were helping somebody out there. Uh, Sarah Devachi after that with Borders, Border of Mine. Poor Girl Blues from Miriam Gender. And Un Ministres Plante Mouth Cis Life as Purpose Slow Torch Removal from Rubber O Cement. That's a fucking tough <laughs> Let's spin with Ghostly. You know, I understand reluctance to. Because it seems a natural mode of base is, uh, when I think of the politics of base, if there's such a thing, we look good making them look good. And that's a great kind of nurturing role, you know. But mm -hmm. I think we do, because of that role, most of the time, when it is time for us to be shot caller, we do bring another perspective. Mm -hmm. I agree, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Because yeah, so. we're, not, we're not used to it. It's new. And then it's sort of it happens without thinking about it too much, you know, and then the magic happens in, in a way, I think. Yeah, I, th I really do. You know, I'm 64 now, and I found out life is kind of about taking turns. So it's good mm -hmm. to play different roles, you know, and different kind of things. Why not? Yeah, you get more, I don't know, if you think of life as a classroom, it's more opportunity to learn more stuff and like that. So that's interesting that a challenge led to you. So there's a lesson there, right? Sometimes take up a challenge, even though it's kind of different for you. And mm -hmm, detoned mm -hmm. in everything, too. And it, without an amplifier, everything that's not supposed to happen, right? I got to say yeah. something. When I'm reading up on the internet, other bass players are always talking about gear. Gear is going to do it. Just got to get the right piece of gear, you know? Mm, yeah, I'm left the opposite to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because but at the I end of the day, like. it sounds it anyway, like, right? So, you know. Like what the it's, listener, the gig goer experiences, it just sounds, you know, like that Mr. Uh, Frank Morgan in uh, Wizard of Oz. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. He was the man behind the curtain. You know, at the end of the day, they don't know how it's made. So, why yeah, are people yeah. so. I think it's part of the materialist thing. Like, just need to buy the right product and you'll have it, you know? And. Uh, Actually, yeah, I always, I always think people that have most the perfect gear are usually the shittest musicians. <laughs> Sorry, maybe you shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't say that. In the show, no, you can. I'm way into that. Like... <laughs> I'm way into that. Are you, um, are you listening actually to what you're doing? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's supposed <laughs> to be good. I paid this much for it. Kind of a fet, a materialist fetish. Uh, Got a trippy thing, and and then it's supposed to be some kind of tool to make art, right? Right? Like if you got a a pocket knife there, where is the art? Is it really the pocket knife, or what's going to get carved with it? Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. If yeah, that, yeah. That could be kind yeah. of a metaphor. So, I was interested in this this let spin. How how how, mm -hmm. how where's this in the timeline of your projects? Well, that's a band that I started sort of playing with maybe about eight years ago or something. And they were just a group of friends, really. And we just got a gig offered or like a, a run of gigs offered. And we're like, right, let's just do it. We, you know, you're just all going to write some music for it and do a day's worth of rehearsing. And then we we do it. And and that's kind of how it, how it happened. And it was, we've done, I think, three. We're just working on the third, on the fourth, third, can't remember, third or fourth album now. And um, it's just developed from then onwards and we just all write for it. So it's, it's not, no one's the band leader, but we all sort of chip in with organizing. And, ah, so it's a true collab. Mm -hmm. it's a yeah, exactly. True collab. Yeah. Cause yeah, I was going to yeah. ask and, you about improv, uh, improvisational music. To me, the big dilemma mm -hmm. is like, who goes first? 
<laughs> I, I don't think about it. I just okay. sort of, I think I'm quite bossy in that respect. I just sort like of. You, you guys are playing to this it. lick. <laughs> I'm sitting <laughs> yeah, up the jam. Like, I'm the boss. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you listen to me, you who, me. Who's Sam Amidon? <laughs> Sam Amidon, he he he's a he's a music he's he's a folk musician from Vermont. Um, oh, he's really amazing. I absolutely love his his music and his voice. He's a singer. Mm -hmm. He plays violin as well, uh, guitar and banjo. So yeah, he's an Amer He lives in London, but he's he's obviously from Vermont, and um, he's yeah. A lot of the marble. But, in the building you should check out his music if you don't know it because it's so it's I will, so I will. I, will. I, dug, yeah. I dug this a lot of the marble we use in dc for those buildings come from vermont look you get um, this is a joke right irish handcuffs it's right it's it's a beer in each hand right yes it is <laughs> okay. let's <laughs> listen chris that. montague
Fevero Show. Last music for this edition. Start off that chunk, Chris Montague with Irish handcuffs. Then stop at some Waterhouse from their latest record, Worker Drone, is the tune. Uh, A.B. Normal, this is Brother Phil up in uh, Mammoth with uh, Everything Going to Be All Right Eventually, uh, three-car garage version. And finally, The Golden Age of Steam, Part 5, Loftopus. <laughs> What's this? What's this? <laughs> yeah, what is part five of the Golden Age of Steam? Uh, that's like a, it's like a drone band that I play with, um, and we just play like massive drones and have huge saxophone shreds over it for hours, and it's just amazing. I love it. And this is part five, so there's four parts ahead of it. Yes, there's a whole album of it. <laughs> wow, wow, wow! And but right now, the most recent thing you got going is your skillion. Yeah, so right now I'm touring with Skilla and also with Melt Yourself Down. So I'm just in the middle oh, of Oh, okay, Melt, your, Melt Yourself Down. And we played that earlier in the show. Yeah. Right, so at doing... the beginning. Yeah. Is, is that's that right. the one that made the video with the skateboarder? Yeah, that's it, yeah. That is such mm -hmm. a trippy tune. It's kind of rapping, but it kind of ain't. Yeah, yeah. The singer is really great. He's from Mauritius and he's just got this amazing voice. Um, he sometimes just makes up his own language and, you know. And the and percent, I sell myself amazing. to myself. I, I never disagree. Yeah. I never disagree. We, ne we never disagree. We never disagree. That's so <laughs> clever. I mean, it's so interesting. Yeah. It's and the idea of band. skateboarders, right? The eternal youth. <laughs> Don't try it with, you can think about it, people, but if you try it in middle age, you might get hurt. So watch out. <laughs> okay. Where can people find you on the internet? Well, I've got a website, which is just my name, so ruthgoller.com. Okay, people, R-U-T-H-G-O-L-L-E-R.com. Yeah, that's it. And, and you and probably you got links for stuff there. Yeah, all okay. videos and uh, yeah. all sorts of stuff that's is okay. on there. So. I'm glad you got your own website, because that's like having your own fanzine. Yeah, well, it's kind of easy. Someone did all that for me, because I'm quite rubbish on all social media and all Yeah, that but at least stuff, you don't so. just have a corporate representation. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay, okay. It's a, a friend who did it, and she, you know, she sorts all of that stuff out for me. So I'm really, really grateful. And what about your I advice? Can, can what about your advice to somebody just getting on with music or with bass? Well, I, I just always think to stay truthful to what you like and what you don't like. You know, don't look too far ahead, and really embrace instinct and spontaneity. Because for me, that was a real revelation and that's when I made the most honest music and and not just music that to me was important it resonated with other people the best as well so never sort of think you know what do people like I should be writing that kind of stuff that's bollocks I think yeah. just write what you really like and what what you what you can really feel deeply and that's the thing that really matters whether someone listens to it or not doesn't really matter it just that it, it exists in that honest way is is it's the best thing about music, I think. John Coltrane said something about he believed musicians were after some kind of truth. Mm -hmm. He yeah, said a, a musician can tell when something's phony. So uh, that, that's interesting that you bring that up, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you have no plans for five string and six string. And <laughs> no, don't, exactly. Don't do that. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and what about amplifiers? Well, I've just I've got my favorite amp is an orange. I've got this orange valve amp which I really love, and it's really simple. It's got 
three knobs on it and that's it i know how to use it it's great yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Really heavy, though. I can hardly carry. That, that I I'm not into. Them on the street to come and help me lift it in the car. Yeah, That's that I'm not into. I, I've moved on, to, but I like the idea of the few knobs things. Yeah, but the Class D. I mean, I'm I'm going on tour with a six and a half pound, twelve hundred watt amp. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> For an old cripple like me, this is a good thing. It's always oh, been the lead sleds. Yeah, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and then speaker boxes. You know, there's a great company in Brighton called Bareface, twelve hundred watt, two by twelve for forty pounds. Uh, not money-wise, oh, really? weight-wise, yeah, maybe 20 Oh, kilo. right. Oh, I should look into that because it's really breaking my back. Does yeah. As much as I love it, but it's just fucking yeah. heavy. Well, look, yeah. when I get over there, I think I'm going to be there in less than a year helping the flipper guys out again. I hope I get to meet up again. Oh, please, Mike. Be more get conscious touch. this time. I'd because, love that. You know, if you any friend of uh, any um, amico of, um, of Telostay is one of mine and stuff, but sometimes I get so distracted you know so but we could yeah. have a good bass talk i think thank you so oh, much for being that. on the show when you get new music please come back on mike thank you for having me Very such well. a <laughs> okay we keep on keeping all right people okay. march 8 2022 edition what peter should keep you powdered right